Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good wherever you are, listeners. This is Patty and Sam, and this is my first time a Real Housewives show. <laughs> I did remember. I had a moment briefly there, not gonna lie. <laughs> Thinking shit, shit, shit. What's the name? I am drinking an Italian soda. I chose blackberry and strawberry as my flavors. Okay. From question, a local coffee shop. The question is, do you put cream in it? I do. That's controversial because I don't. So I think it's because the first time I had an Italian soda made for me somewhere, the person did it without asking. And so then I just was under the assumption, oh, this is what it's supposed to have every time. And so now, with, without the cream, I, I'm confused. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I like it without the cream. But, you know, our listeners can, can decide for themselves. You know who's probably a cream woman? Who? Danielle. Oh, for sure. She, she loves so cream. does the cream. And she, I think Teresa, too. I, I think Dina is a tea lady, myself. I would agree. And Caroline... Is probably just wine. Is wine. It's just wine. I'm sure Jacqueline loves wine. Yes. And alcohol. But Jacqueline, I can also see being like a really frou-frou coffee kind of gal. Frou-frou is, is the word du jour. Yeah. Like she, her Starbucks order is probably like, I need an almond milk, non-fat, double whip. Like, and then I, Caroline is probably also horrible at Starbucks. Like, oh. did you put cinnamon in this? I think my son works at a Starbucks. <laughs> is that your? Caroline I would Manta? know. Is that your Caroline Manzo? <laughs> yes. I I I don't know. I think Caroline is more of a um, dark coffee, two two sugars. Yeah. She she seems like somebody who who would take it in a like a big, big gulp. I feel like she definitely could have like a Scotch on the rocks kind of night. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. One hundred percent. After she shoots like a deer. <laughs> right. Like she shot a deer. But only in like her full fur coat with like. Her Gucci f- fur coat. Right. Exactly. Right. And like snake leather boots or something. Yeah. So listeners, we are back um, delivering season one, episode five, six, the rest of season one. We are doing commentary <laughs> on. Um, like we said at the beginning of this season, Sam and I are still kind of this whole podcast thing shout out to our listeners though hello russia and singapore apparently we have singapore guests yeah that's weird well thank you for listening across the globe (laughs) yeah we're super we're super super stoked um a dozen of you (laughs) (laughs) we have grown from our moms and hello to my sister Kaylee, thank you. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to add to that? Or nope. that's about it? No, nope, okay. that feels good. All right, all right. <laughs> um, so like we said before, we are trying out this whole podcast thing. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be watching the re- – or we're going to give giving commentary on the rest of season one. Next episode, we're going to do a commentary on – The reunion. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. This season leaves off on quite the cliffhanger in terms of where are relationships landing. Okay, so let's go through it. Um, Episode five, the recap is that the girls go to Atlantic City, leave Jacqueline behind. Um, Danielle breaks up with Steve. (laughs) 
Yes. And also Danielle's left behind. Danielle's left behind, but she wasn't invited. Right. Right. Um, and while there, Teresa decides to get what she lovingly calls boobies. <laughs> Sam loves, Sam loves Teresa's pronunciation of boobies. I can't get enough of it. Like, my boobies. <laughs> I just, it's adorable. Like, is she talking about a grandmother? Is she talking about her breasts? I don't know, but I like it. I guess I never thought about the booby. Yeah. As a thing. No, it's it's the boobies. Yeah, I love it. Um, She does have a banging bod. She's got three kids, and look at her. Yeah, totally. She's totally in shape. She, I mean, honestly, all the women, I think, look great. Oh, completely, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the relationship of the century, uh-huh. Steve and Danielle. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, the love story for the ages. It really is. Yeah. Move over Romeo and Juliet. I mean, this is, this is a, a set of star-crossed lovers if I've ever seen it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one of them is completely like crossed and has no idea what's going on, and one of them thinks they're lovers. So, <laughs> so we first see them, and Danielle is like, "I really like him. He's great. He's great with my kids." And then, what? Two episodes in, she's like, "No, thank you. I'm good." Yeah. Well, do you think that she? Do you think she ever understood the fact that they were not as much as she? built up in her head and that's why she broke it off to save face or do you think she still genuinely believed that he was as into her as she seemed to be into him she's genuinely delusional fair (laughs) i think that she really did think that they were on this path of like you know finding each other's soulmates together in each other i know we've talked about this before you know off the podcast about somebody thinking that they're more with somebody else than they're not Uh and that is exactly I think what we're seeing here with between the two of them it's that delusions of grandeur this idea that this relationship has so much deeper meaning when for Steve it's literally he's getting to have sex with somebody who's good looking yeah 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 that's it yeah I mean, I think we've all been there where we built up relationships. I just think that Danielle does it in a way that's so out of the realm of delusional. I think the thing that is catches me off guard for her is that we've all done it. You're totally right. I'm guilty. But usually we say it to our girlfriends, not our children. Not, yeah. And I think that's the part that I was surprised by only because... That's got to be uncomfortable for for her kids. You know, I, I don't... My parents were, are together as are yours, but I still don't think I would want to hear my mom talking about even their love life together. Okay, let's dive deep because she... Okay, so the scene I think that Sam and I are both talking about is where Danielle sits her kids down in, like, Jilly's room yep. and is like you know, I've been in relationships before and they've said that they wanted to play a part in your life and, you know, just because they're not in my life doesn't mean they're not in your life. What the fuck was that? I know. And then her daughter goes on about how men just want her mom's goodies 
and how since she was in the fifth grade, her classmates used to hit on her mom. I mean, it really creates a different dynamic between parent and child. And also just, I would imagine, a very early understanding of sexuality in a different way. That's crazy. Because I never did. Yeah. Well, her kids are what? Danielle's kids at that time were what, like 14? Yeah. 12? And obviously, Danielle can't be blamed for people who hit on her in front of her daughters. No! But I don't know that I would want to talk to them about, like, I don't know. Like, when I broke up with him, he seemed like he was, he wanted the best for me. Like, he seemed like he wanted me to be happy. I don't think that's something I would share with them. No. And I don't think I would also introduce my boyfriend to my kids unless I knew that it was going to last a long time. Right. But, you know, I have to also say, I do feel bad for Danielle because she put herself out there. She thought he was a better guy than he turned out to be. And she also thought her friends had her back more than they turned out to. Because we saw in the same episode that Steve reached out to Teresa asking if he could take a different woman to her beach house. Yeah, that was weird. And she doesn't say anything to Danielle. She's not like, yo, just to let you know, this is what's going on. I don't know if you guys think you're exclusive, but... Mm -hmm. And I I thought it was unfair that she said, um, you know, in the commentary, everywhere I go, like, Danielle's drama follows me. And it was like, but didn't you kind of insert yourself in this drama? Why does he have the ability to contact you? Why does he know you have a beach house? Why does he feel comfortable asking you? What's your relationship? So insert the the knowledge. But Steve... so my understanding of that relationship is that Steve and um, Joe Judice, Teresa's husband, were friends before he started dating Danielle. Like, Danielle met Steve through them. Okay. I still yep. don't think that necessarily is Danielle's fault. I don't think she can say, oh, I'm always being dragged into her drama. Yeah. Because she clearly thought that this guy and her were exclusive and that he would not be reaching out saying... Can I take a different girl to your beach house? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think that one's on her. No, and I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily her fault. I do, however, think that she has talked about it to her girlfriends so much that they're sick of it, regardless if it's from her or yes. not. Yes. So I would agree, because we've also had that friend. Yeah. Where you're like, you are a broken record. I've been the broken record. So <laughs> I have as well. Um, but Teresa, so in that same episode, I think they go to Atlantic City and you see another example of Teresa just kind of being out of touch with reality. Like she's bringing so many outfits and she's talking about how like she just wants to get the perfect outfit. When you look at the clothes and they're a little gaudy, even for the 2000s. (laughs) Yeah. She also, what did they try on? Like a, God, was it $2 million necklace or something? I mean, something just. Something exorbitant. Yeah. yeah, Gorgeous. Gorgeous. But you're not a movie star. Where the hell are you wearing that? (laughs) And and Dina was like, she was actually thinking about buying it. And I was like, she probably was thinking about buying it, knowing Teresa. For real, though. For real. Um, It was fun getting to see them all in a different setting and seeing them all a little more relaxed. And as I've said, um, so it was Dina that brought an outside friend along and it was kind of nice to see them being nice to an outsider yeah beyond Teresa because I started to believe are they as she loves to say thick as thieves are they so thick that they can't let anybody else in if you're not somehow married in or by blood 
I so think that, I think that Carolyn gets a bad rap because she is somebody who is very protective of her family. Very much. So I think that more so she's because I, I think that you're not vibing well with Carolyn. I don't think that she has shown enough vulnerability for me to. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I think a lot of the other women have shown faults. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Dina, we even got to see about a time in her life when she was single, what that divorce process was like. I mean, you get to see the softer side of them. I don't feel like we've gotten the opportunity, at least at this point, to see that from her. Okay. But I did actually, I will say this about her, the softest moment we've seen, in my opinion, is when we got to see her with her dog. Oh, the little training? German Shepherd training. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought cute. that was cute. That's cute. That's cute. Um, I want to transition a little bit to Jacqueline. Okay. Um, and two parts because Jacqueline's, I think, storyline in season one centers on Ashley and also centers on her, her relationship with Danielle and the other women. But all of them, all of her relations seem so like shitty. Yeah. I thought it was really sweet being able to see her family, her parents from Vegas come visit her. And I thought that was a really cute dynamic, having them say, like, don't put fillers in, don't use Botox, you know, all that stuff. And then I also thought it was, you know, being that her parents are on the outside Mm -hmm. and you've got Carolyn and Dina constantly, it seems, criticizing her parenting of Ashley. Mm -hmm. It was nice to see her father say, so is she, you know, being unnormally difficult, like abnormally difficult for a 17-year-old? Or is she just the typical 17-year-old angst? Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a really refreshing viewpoint that she needed, you and know, because... realistic. Yeah, yeah, because I think that she hears so much outside chatter. She probably doesn't have a sense of reality when it comes to... To Ashley. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that... Jacqueline centers a lot of her frustration on Ashley and how much of it is Ashley and how much of it is Jacqueline. Well, and I also have to wonder, I know she does have another child, Uh but we also know she really wants another child. Yeah. And I wonder if sometimes she thinks like, well, if I prove I'm such a good parent, I'll be blessed with another kid. Like, I wonder, you know, we don't see that obviously come out right but I think we all do that right like if you're in a tough moment you're like bartering with God you're like okay I will never eat chocolate again if you give me this one thing (laughs) yeah and so I almost wonder if there's a little part of her that's like well if I just can fix this issue Uh uh-huh I get to have another baby that's really deep yeah that's what we do on this podcast (laughs) yeah we're therapists now Yep. We've discarded the, the profession of lawyers. <laughs> it's just too hard. But, you know, I mean, like, I think that could definitely be a part of it because it sometimes seems unwarranted. What? This, like, obsession of Ashley. I, I think mm. I think for me, I'm watching it and I'm just seeing a normal teenager who, like, everything her mom says is embarrassing. I think when I watch it, especially, I think it was either episode six or seven with... Um, with Ashley in the photo shoot and how she acted out with Jacqueline. And, and so essentially what happened was Ashley, I think, got really embarrassed by Jacqueline saying that she wasn't comfortable in her own body. How I looked at that was so cringeworthy. Like, it's cringeworthy, but I have to be honest, 
I probably would have done the exact same thing as a teenager. Like, if oh. my mom kept saying that, I probably would have... She cried, and I probably wouldn't, like, stop saying that. Because in all reality, she probably was feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. But, like, she was thinking, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it. And there's your mom pointing out your biggest insecurity over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and so I, I thought she should have thought more professionally, you yeah. know, how the cameraman feels. But she's also 17. I don't think I would have acted out in that way. And the only the only reason why I say that is because I think I would have just kind of like grinded my teeth and maybe talked to my parents about it later. I think I would have done the exact same thing. I really do. But even said what, you know, was I, said. I don't know if I would have said to the cameraman, like, I don't like anything. But I think I would have, like, gone to my mom in that private moment. Like, they did. Like, she did try to have it as a private moment. And yeah. she was like, stop. Stop saying that. Yeah. And I, I totally get that. I think I would have done the exact same thing. What are we looking at? I am just making sure my wires are the same. Um, we've been having some technical difficulty lately. And I can tell why. Because I keep moving things. Yep. Definitely that's the problem. So I'm sorry that if the audio cut out on my end. Very, very sorry. Um, we'll edit. We'll, we'll, edit, we'll edit that part out. Um, okay, so I, I want, before we discuss the infamous table flipping. Infamous. I want to talk about the lead up to the table flipping. Okay. Teresa's a hoot at the start of this, talking about how Joe... Just wants to have sex with her right after surgery. <laughs> so, okay. So I did not, full caveat, folks, I did not read A Cop Without a Badge. I don't have that time. But Amen. So, <laughs> so for those who, of you who didn't read it, um, including myself, I went on Reddit and I got us a synopsis of A Cop Without a Badge. And the charges levied against Beverly, which is Danielle's first name. Because she changed her name like 18 times. Beverly. Beverly, yes. So she was born a Beverly. She was born a Beverly. What do we think about that? God, I didn't think Danielle fit well, but Beverly certainly is. No. You don't think that she's a Bev? I think she's a beauty, but not Bev. <laughs> she's, a, she's a beauty. Okay. So um, here we go. She, okay, so she doesn't show up until page 234. And the, how she shows up is clad in leather hot pants and a low cut blouse without a bra. Damn. <laughs> Bevy was feeling herself. I mean, she, yeah. Um, apparently, Kevin Meyer, which is her first ex husband, so okay. this is written by her first ex husband. Goes down to Miami with a Colombian Coke dealer he knows, where he meets Miss Beverly Merrill out on parole. Wow. So she's already out on parole. Okay, so she's already been a bad girl. <laughs> she already has a rap sheet. She had gotten busted for extortion, kidnapping, and possession of cocaine. And that's after meeting him. Before. Before meeting him. Before meeting him. She already had these charges. Or oh. convictions, rather. Because she's out on parole. Okay. Her and a drug dealer she was kidnapped with um, from Buffalo owed them money and held him for three days without food and water, beating the shit out of him and threatening to end his life. 
Finally, they make the, the, the person that they're holding call his father for payment and have it sent to them via Western Union. The father called the cops. The FBI followed the dealer and Bev and arrested them. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is the tidbit. Okay, I gotta say, uh, that would also make me very cautious about letting them around my family. So, Carolyn, I take things back. I take some <laughs> things back. I take some things back. Um, there's more. Okay. So, Mayor, the, the guy who wrote the book, describes sex with her to be explosive. Mayor observes, this is a good person. She is, she, this is not a good person. She has no morals. Um, and she is not a good person. Um, da, 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 da. Bev is an opportunist. She tries to meet people that can get her out of trouble. I think that's about it. Oh, she's also... Okay, so I guess Mare is her second ex-husband because her first ex-husband, she is the one who had an affair with Mare with. Like, she had a, an affair with Mare. Okay. Okay. So I know I've asked this once before, but in here, does it indicate who are the father of her children? It doesn't. Okay. We don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, I only say that because, you know, I hope whoever he is, they get to have a relationship with him. Although it does not appear that way. It doesn't. No. I mean, at the very least, it doesn't even look like she's getting spousal support or child support, really. She knows how to pick them. Yeah. So I have to admit, this is not my thought. Uh, I think a lot of people know I do love, you actually got me onto it, and now I love it, I think, more than you, um, Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert. Uh, yeah. And I don't remember who he was talking to, who this one was, but he was saying, oh, it was Chelsea Handler. Okay. Um, her second time on the show. And he was saying... Well, nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, I am a shitty person. I am a bad person and I like it and I'm going to keep doing it. Like nobody wakes up like that. Everybody wakes up with the genuine belief like I'm a pretty good person. I'm a good person. And so I think it's funny to know all of this and then have heard Danielle's perception of herself, perception as the victim, perception as an innocent person. Uh, I'm not saying that I think she's a bad person by any means, but like clearly you're right. If she was out on parole, she had convictions. It's not as if she is some sort of innocent spring chicken that had nothing to do with how she got into trouble. No, and, and you also saw her, you know, before the, the infamous table flipping where she talks, sits down with her daughters, has a portfolio of her modeling pictures and is like, oh, and you know, when it's cold, a little hedonistic. Yeah. When it's cold, you have to make it look like you're comfortable. It's like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, you're a professional. Of course, that's what, I mean, no shit. Like, it just, to me, it, it, it shows that one, maybe she wasn't a successful model. And uh, two, there was clearly some things that she was doing in the background that, that warranted you know like her to overly just overly emphasize her modeling career it didn't yeah. seem to me as something she's, she was actually she's a model she's a dancer she she's an overall like just woman of the world really is i mean i'm fascinated by the things i'm sure she's known and done and seen um but it just it it just is so interesting to me this perception 
she has, and I think it's worth saying, I think ending up in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are probably some people who are sitting in prison cells or jail cells right now who are just really unlucky circumstance. That Sam and I have represented. Um, <laughs> but I don't think she's one of them. I mean... No! I, uh, I, I don't. I think like she's not taking responsibility for the fact that she surrounded herself with shitty people. Yeah. I, I just could not ever feel comfortable unless she felt scared for her life, mm-hmm. which is not the impression I'm getting. I would never be like, oh, yeah, this feels good. Let's beat the shit out of it. some dude who owes days. his drug money and not give him food or water for three days, which literally could kill him. And she was on parole, which means that she had a parole officer that she had to talk to. On a semi-regular basis, one would assume. And those are heavy charges. And I'm sorry, but if you've been federally indicted, Mm -hmm. there's a good chance that the feds got a lot of information on you. Because the feds don't give a hoot about small fish. Absolutely. Yeah, they don't hand those down lightly. They want to make sure that if they're putting in the time and effort, they're going to bag you. Yeah. (sighs) That means, Beverly Mitchell, you was in trouble. Yes. Which... I think just like, okay, so we we talked about this a little bit off the podcast between the two of us. I think it adds to the intrigue that they're so opposed to her uh-huh. because they're fearful of what she could bring into their lives uh-huh. when there is so much whisper regarding mafia ties. So Sam, I think, broke a little bit of the rules. Bro- just I a did, little bit. Just a little. I didn't mean to find out as much as I did. <laughs> So, okay, so Sam uncovered, um, well, I'll let Sam say it. Okay, so um, we were talking about, you know, what everybody does for a living. Okay. And, um, you know, we were just saying, like, man, like, how do they have this much money? That country club must be doing really well. Mm -hmm. And you said, well, I've heard from, like, different reunions and whatever, whispers of, like, mafia ties. And ever since she said that, I've been like. She is in me. <laughs> I am like, this is so interesting because let's be real, it is. Yeah. And uh, so we are watching today to get caught up uh, for our podcast, just a refresher. And I Googled, <laughs> I Googled Caroline Manzo Mafia. <laughs> and uh, an article popped up and I learned a little bit about her father-in-law and that whole dynamic and uh-huh. uh i mean it, I, it it seems pretty clear to me at least her father-in-law was likely involved in the mafia based on his his death um and so that's why i find this like adding to the depth and the layers because it is maybe a slight hypocrisy to be afraid of what she'll bring in uh-huh. if they're already in just to some dangerous territory. So I think the caveat here is, and I'm, I'm definitely, for those of you who have watched The Real Housewives, the later seasons, I believe it's season five, maybe season six, I can't remember, because um, you have an entirely different cast. Um, but I'm definitely going to give this away. So the way that they found out about it is that they were at home. It was Carolyn's birthday. And um, her husband had already been running the business for the, for a couple of years. Like, he had okay. already been running the brownstone for a while. 
and the cops show up at their house, inform Carolyn, Caroline and her husband, Al, um, that Al's, Al's father died. And it was, I think it was like near Christmas or something when it but happened. It, according to the article I read, he died in 1983. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it was around that time, and I and I can't remember if they had children already. They must have. But Al was not involved with the alleged mafia ties. He was just the person running the business. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there may have been mafia ties at the beginnings of the Brownstone, but not when Al was running it. And I think my, my understanding of the way that Carolyn tells the story is that Carolyn was... I keep saying Carolyn because I have a Carolyn in my office, but it's Caroline. And um, Caroline, the way that she tells it is that they were heartbroken mm-hmm. with the passing of Al's dad. And they never, ever wanted to find out more about it. Sure. Because mm-hmm. sometimes ignorance is bliss. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Well, again, proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is why we have a Bravo expert amongst our, our, our duo here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because from my perspective, I thought, oh, hypocrisy. But okay. That's fair. Less hypocrisy now. <laughs> also, I just have to say it. Teresa's boobies do look good. They look fantastic. I mean, she... So the dress that she's wearing in this final table flip episode, she couldn't have picked a better dress to live on in infamy uh, in a in a television <laughs> clip. Uh-huh. I think that dress looks fabulous on her, and I think it will it will age well. Uh-huh. Uh, and her tits look great. There's a lot to unpack here. There's so much to unpack here. Because we've also got the family dynamics, I have to say, that we have to get to of Jacqueline and Dina, and Caroline. We're doing the lead up right now. I mean... We might have to take a couple bathroom breaks, to be honest with you, because this is a lot to unpack. I think so. I think let's have a scotcherie break. For those who don't know what that is, Google it. Find a recipe, make it. I was going to make it for Sam, actually. Yeah, but then I found some at a coffee shop, and I bought some for us. So while Sam has a scotcherie break... I, I want to also highlight things from Danielle's book. Ooh, yes. Because um, Danielle did release a book in 2010, is this article, um, shortly after the, uh, after the reunion for episode one. She does, she looks pretty great. Actually, as far as the, um, the, the, the book cover. So this is what we've learned is that she was Beverly Merrill. She was born to an unmarried woman from Italy whose family may have actually killed the woman's lover. Holy shit. Yeah. See, she was sexually abused from ages seven to nine. She doesn't name names, but they were relatives or family friends. Uh, She left home when she was very young. She moved to Florida with one of her boyfriends and she spent her early 20s working as a model, doing speed, this is literally the caption from her book. She was in her early 20s in, um, in Florida at bars modeling and doing speed. <laughs> is the quote. Um, well, shit. <laughs> that's significant. Uh, she dated a, an Olympic athlete with no name. 
she shared a passionate kiss with Don Johnson of Miami Vice fame. And for those of you who are our generation, I had to Google, Google him also. And um, <laughs> she made out with Prince at a party. Oh my God, yes. Love Prince. <laughs> Sam loves Prince. Um, and I quote, Danielle, stop. Um, all I'm going to say is that he was the best kisser out of all of the celebrities I have ever been with. Prince? Which, Prince. Which includes WKTU, DJ Guamba, Johnny. Don't know who that is. And um, she was apparently also with the situation. Huh. Huh. All right. Mazel. <laughs> Um, she, she had never actually, um, she was never actually a sex worker. I think that the name prostitution, I don't like it. I say sex worker. Everybody chooses their own vernacular. She says that she was not paid to go up to men's hotel rooms. She's, she was paid to establish relationships. Well, that, (laughs) that is vague. (laughs) That is vague. And... A lawyer crafted that statement. Absolutely. I've seen it. Um, okay, so she was arrested once, she said. She was never arrested twice, which, sure. Semantic. <laughs> I mean, just because you weren't arrested doesn't mean you weren't detained. And um, she dismisses it as a wrong place, wrong time thing, the whole um, kidnapping. Um, Again. Uh, seems a little unlikely. So the way that she talked about it in, in, in the in the season is that the house had a lot of rooms and she didn't know what was going on in each of the rooms. Hmm. <laughs> what? So she's there for three days and she doesn't hear this guy screaming, crying, begging for help, being beaten. Like... Does he have a soundproof fucking room that he takes his people to to fuck up? Like, he has that... a recording studio that's also soundproof. I think that's really hard to believe, in part because, uh, like, you had to have known there's only one front door. Mm hmm. Uh, it's a convenient story. Wrong place, wrong time for three days? Right. That's insane. You have to hear something. And also, if she's with this guy, she's got to be like, babe, why are you acting weird? Why do you have blood on your knuckles? Why do you Why do you have a crowbar all the time? Why, why is there a baseball bat in your hand? <laughs> who's, um, who's this guy? <laughs> why is there padlocks on the door? I mean, come on. Also, why the fuck are we going to Western Union? <laughs> she goes with him. She goes with him. Hey, my mom used to go to Western Union. Yeah, but you probably, like, were, like, just a kid going along with. Like, I mean, she's an adult woman thinking, why are we going to Western Union? What do you, what are we getting? Like, who's paying us? Like, like this is after the groceries she gets from Whole Foods. Right. She just went to Trader Joe's, picked up some <laughs> items. It was, it was her Saturday morning errands. <laughs> right. She was going to go to yoga next. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, anyways, she moves to New York where she becomes an exotic dancer, which explains the dancer scene with Joe. Okay, I I do want to unpack this because I can't remember if we did in the last episode, but we're going to go there, is when Joe calls somebody Gaylord. 
Huh. Oh, oh, um, I don't remember who he was saying it to. I don't remember who he was saying it to either. But he says, gay lord, and he says, stop acting like that, it's gay. Mm. And she took real offense to it. I mean, actually, kind of kudos on that one. For her? Yeah, I think it's nice, like, when you can be... It's hard to be the lone person standing up for a group of people. Oh, yeah, fair. So, mm. the caveat that I have to that is, is she doing it to stand up to him, or is she doing it to, to like... Have a drama? Yeah. Because I think those are two different things. And, Absolutely. And part of me thinks that she was doing it for attention. She wasn't doing it because she was a gay advocate. Probably not. Although, I suppose, you know, in the 80s, if she's in a nightclub, I mean... In Florida. Yeah, there's, like, a hot chance, like, uh, there was... She met Versace? She could have met Versace. <laughs> she could have met Gianni. I mean, like, but let's be real. Miami is quite the haven. Oh, for real, though. Beautiful men. Yeah. I mean, gorge. Beautiful men, beautiful beaches. Beautiful everything, really. Yeah. Beautiful women. Beautiful women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. God, if I could have, like, their bodies... Oh, totally. Oh. Um, we're we're still beautiful too. I mean, that's okay. We have yeah. people that love us. We do. We do. I mean, potentially. <laughs> yeah, they're new relationships. They're new relationships. <laughs> we should probably not put that word there. <laughs> Whoever is our people, uh, don't listen to that. Don't listen to this. Don't listen to this. I'm not saying something I haven't said before. We're just starting to date, so I... This is new. What? <laughs> um, I'm not taking that out, by the way. I think that's fucking gold. Yeah. Okay. Anywho. So that's Danielle. Okay. In a nutshell. We need to talk about the family dynamics at play. About how... Okay, so for me, I actually think... I don't know why... Caroline would say, well, she didn't do it. I did for Dina when she's getting accused of the whole book thing. Uh-huh. Which made me think at first, okay, so that's probably true. Because, I mean, I do believe she would take a bullet for her. But I didn't think that it would need to be this because it's not that big a deal. Yeah. So, I don't know. I was inclined to believe her. I do think that Dina was a part of it because the whole she did very carefully Dina say I never had that book in my hand I never had that book in my hand so it's not she didn't do what she's being accused of outside of it she just didn't have the book in her hand and I thought it was very interesting though that Jacqueline then said you guys are lying like you guys did do all those things she's accusing you of and that was a real kicker for me just because I thought well she definitely doesn't have anything to gain from telling right Especially because she's endangering not only her relationship, but her husband's relationship with his sisters. Yeah. And so... Everything to lose. Right. And so, uh, background on Dina and her husband. I think her, his, her husband's name is Chris. There's so many... No, there's books. a... Tom, it was Tommy. It's Tommy. Is it Tommy? Dina? Tommy. No, Jacqueline's husband. According to the article I read online, I think it was Tommy. That's that's Dina's husband. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Jacqueline's husband is Chris. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jacqueline's husband and Dina are the best of friends. Like, out of the 11 siblings, they're the closest. They were the closest. Okay. So, I think um, the fact that Jacqueline... I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Because the fact that Jacqueline went ahead and said what she said, I admire her for it. Because it takes a lot to tell the truth. I thought it showed a lot of her character. Yeah. A lot of backbone. Yeah. I respected it. Also, the TV just kind of moved forward and is revealing some stuff we're not ready to reveal. Um, And all I'm going to say is Andy Cohn looks so young. I know. This is so old. I am looking forward to Sam. I just have to say this. I am so looking forward to season two. Season two is my favorite of all of the Real Housewives. That's not true. Is top five. (laughs) Top five. I can name you the seasons that I absolutely love of all of the Real Housewives because I have top, top five. Wow. Yeah. Do you want to list them? Season two, New Jersey. Okay. Season two, New York. Mm, season twos are looking good. Season two of New York. Yes. And for those of you who know, it's because of the fab Jill Zarin. Um, if you don't know who Jill Zarin is, you need to know who Jill Zarin is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, any of the season, well, no, actually this, this, uh, the last season of Beverly Hills three, um, the season with Nene and Kim, like the last season of Kim, um, Real Housewives of Atlanta, and the first season of Potomac. And there you have it. Is my top five. Those are the seasons to watch, folks. Yeah, and we're, we're season two of New Jersey. This is why we started with New Jersey, is so that Sam can witness the craziness, the true craziness that is Danielle. Did you have any big takeaway thoughts from the dinner? Um, the biggest takeaway thought that I had was that Danielle ruined a really good evening. Yeah. As you, as you may know, my big takeaway was, was a producer like, you know what you should bring tonight? Like, you look really cute, but like, maybe like get a bigger bag and put the book in it. I don't know. Just a thought. Just a thought. So let's do a play by play of what happened that evening. Uh, she probably was standing with her daughters and was like adjusting her boobs and turned to a producer and was like, what do you guys think? And they're like, yep, looks good. But you know what? You know what would make that outfit better? Did they say it in that Jersey accent? The book. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I, I first want to start though with, because I think this I, I, New Jersey is known for the being the family, like out of all of the out of all of the Real Housewives, they are known for the family ones. Most of them are related, mm-hmm. which unlike all of the other Real Housewives, New Jersey is all of them are related. Mm-hmm. Most of them, yes. And so it's the family one. And you can really see that in the first couple minutes of the dinner where, you know, Chris and Al and the girls are there. Teresa's girls are there and they bring all of the kids and like Teresa's like, oh, you're you're doing water bubbles. That's so cute. And Joe is asking about Caroline's boobs to her sons. (laughs) Yeah. And you could really tell that they genuinely hang out outside of the show. Yeah. I thought that was really sweet, too, and it's fun to see the family dynamics. 
Um, you know, funny enough, one of my big takeaways from that dinner was a demonstration I thought of what a good mother Teresa is. Like, I love that before this whole thing is about to go down, she's like, let me get the kids out of here. Yeah. Because that's true. It's not fair to them. It's a scary environment. It's an uncomfortable environment. Your children should not be subjected to adult conversations like that. Adult and, arguments. And I I think that it's a I think that it was significantly like that it's significant that Danielle was like, Well, why would you want your kids out? Yeah, it was strange, right? Yeah. Like, Danielle, you shouldn't have your kids watching you get ganged up on. Right. That's not fair to them. If, if you want to show them that, that's a you problem. That's not a us problem. Yeah. So. And I just want to say to all the Danielle fans out there who are probably getting pissed off, I think she's also a good mother. I think her love for her kids is obvious, but I don't understand her choices necessarily, and that's probably because we are raised very different. Right. I, I will say, so um, when I was doing a bit of research for, for the podcast, um, the producers did a lot of like behind the scenes uh, commentary on the dinner and the producers were just like we thought it was going to be a family dinner <laughs> like because you can tell behind you can tell when they kind of pan out and Dina's yelling at Jacqueline and the producers are like scrambling in the background they were not adequately prepared for what was going to happen right which I thought was hilarious that they were just like, gird your loins, everybody. Shit, it's going to go down. Also, uh, Teresa's anger, I have to say, came out of nowhere, in my opinion. <laughs> like, it escalated. It went from, like, zero to 100. And I'm like, why are you so angry? Like, because the stuff she's yelling about is, you were engaged 19 times? Like, she, I think you can see the slow build of her anger. Like, she started listing it off, and then finally she, you're such a bitch, and then the infamous table clip. Yeah. And then I love that she's so angry, she's just bubbling over, and Joe, like, is pushing her away, pushing her away, and then all of a sudden, like, we don't see them on camera anymore, but we hear them say, and she goes, I love you. Like, <laughs> Like, she's just all of a sudden so sweet to him. And she's like, okay, I'm fine. I think that's indicative of their relationship at that time. I thought their relationship, at least what we saw on camera in season one, is so sweet, so darling. I think she's a great mom. Her kids are adorable. They're uh -huh. sassy. I like it a lot. They have fun little personalities. Yeah. Um, and I'm terribly impressed she doesn't have a nanny. <laughs> I... And even, so not the table flip, but I think it was the episode beforehand when, when Joe was like, yeah, sometimes I get angry about the money that you spend and then I see you with these kids and I'm like, forget about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's sweet. It's so sweet. Um, and I also have to can it to Jacqueline's husband for being the voice of reason mm. as everything was going down. He's like, look, we should all just be happy that we're here together. Mm -hmm. We're healthy. We're happy. We're having a good time. And, like, I just love Joe in this season because you see him behind Teresa just nodding like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So let's go to the table flip because I think that we've we've um, saved the best for last. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she is stronger than she looks. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's a small, little, fiery Italian lady. She certainly is. Yeah. Um, and she solidified herself 
in television infamy with that table flip. I think that it's iconic. It certainly is. Do you think it's iconic of the entire franchise, or do you think it's iconic of just The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I think the whole franchise. Oh, really? I do, because for somebody like me, who is a first-timer... Um, <laughs> is an ingenue. <laughs> um, I associated that table flip with the whole thing. Like, oh, I just okay. thought they were all having these type of big blowout fights. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it transcends this season. I think like, and because like you said, for Andy Cohen, he doesn't see it as you're here, you're here, you're here. It's, you know, we are a big family of yeah. Real Housewives. I think it does fall under a large umbrella. Yeah, I, I do too. And I think that it really put the show on the map. Yeah. If not the entire franchise on the map. Agreed. I don't think... And this is what we've said before in past podcasts, is that when you look at the entire thing, I don't think Teresa was acting all that odd in comparison to everybody else. Everyone else was yelling. Mm -hmm. Everyone else was raising their voices and getting angry. She just happened to flip a table. Yeah. I think that she certainly was feeding off of the emotions of everyone else. Right. And I think she, I think she wanted to be angry in a little bit of a way. Yeah. Like, I think it was fun to kind of act that out. And I think, like, she was, it sucks when you're hosting a dinner, for sure, and somebody fucking ruins it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, By bringing drama that's unnecessary, and I don't fault her for that. But, you know, maybe don't, like, ruin everybody's meal by flipping a table and spilling a drink on people and... Yeah. Things of that nature. So maybe a little uncalled for, but certainly entertaining. Okay. So one thing that I did want to touch on before we move on from the table flip is I think Danielle whispers to Jacqueline, thank you, when Jacqueline, like, pipes up against Dina. That really made me mad because you don't... Jacqueline's already in a precarious position between her husband and her sister-in-laws. Then you're going to whisper thank you in front of the entire table? Very clearly and obviously... To the point where it could it could have been perceived that they had a conversation prior to this dinner. I didn't even think of it that way. I didn't see it as, oh, what went down in private between the two of them. I thought of it as, like, thank you for somebody speaking truth to power. Like, t- just telling I'm, the truth. I'm, I'm thinking it through the Real Housewives lens, which is not that it's... Uh, what this, what did this conniving biatch say behind closed doors? That's fair. To try and get airtime. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think, even though we said this earlier in a previous podcast, do you think they thought that way? Because at one time they were not thinking airtime. Oh, I guess so. I mean, it was still pretty new. But now that I've, wa- I've been watching The Real Housewives now for, what, um, a million years that's what I would have. That's what I think now that I've been conditioned. Gotcha. Well, either way, that that was a perfect ending to an entertaining season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly, I think, drew me back for future seasons, for the reunion, for all that good stuff. And I can imagine... America felt the same way who was watching. Right, right. I completely agree. Um, so as we wind down, um, 
this podcast. What do we think as far as predictions for the for the reunion? Um, I think drama certainly. Mm. Um. I think there's going to be a lot of conversation about that dinner. I think there's going to be a lot of finger pointing at Danielle as to, did you really think that was the appropriate time? There were children there, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Danielle will not feel that way. I think she's going to feel justified in her actions and think I was at a boiling point. Where else am I going to get all of us where we can have this conversation? I don't think it was accurate or appropriate, but I think that's her justification. I, uh, I think that she should have approached Dina if she had an issue with Dina. I agree. But I, I don't think she sees it that way. No. I think that you're going to see, and just setting up for season two, you're going to see this, this, Danielle's rage and anger, carry her forward and almost guide her as far as her actions. Um, and I, I, for me, moving forward in future seasons, what I'm curious to see is right now it feels like there is a bit of a duo versus a trio. Uh-huh. It feels like Teresa is more in with Dina and Caroline and Jacqueline is a little bit more, I mean, barely because she is a family member, uh-huh. but maybe a little bit more in with Danielle after this recent dinner blow up. Yeah. Um, but I'm just thinking these dynamics cannot last. Right. So I'm curious to see when these alliances splinter. Mm-hmm. So um, a juicy little tidbit um, as far as like um, setting the stage. Jacqueline and Jacqueline and um, Teresa have dinner with the the Danielle's ex who wrote the book. Oh my God! In season two. Uh, no, this wasn't in the season. This was um, an article that was written online, um, and they they had dinner with him. Do we know any more? Um, so uh, <laughs> um, the caption is, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is revealing. Okay. Well, I am excited to keep moving forward in my Real Housewife journey, and I can't wait to talk to you and all of our listeners about the reunion. We're very excited. We Okay, so we put out episodes every two weeks. Um, you can listen to us literally on every place where you can listen to podcasts. Yeah, we've done it. And it's all really Patty's credit, so... It's, it's both of us. It's both of us because Sam was the one who designed our logo and stuff and made us official. <laughs> well, you did a lot of behind the scenes work. But um, thank you so much for tuning in wherever you may be. And we will see you next time. See ya. Oh, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and uh, comment. We are looking for suggestions. We are doing this season by season or do you want us to do it? three episodes, six episodes, nine episodes. You let us know. We're open. And share with your friends. Share with your friends. This is uh, Patty. This is Sam. And um, what's our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> My first time. A Real Housewives Tale.